0: Hey everyone. Thank you for listening. My name is Yaro and you're listening to The Creative Nature Podcast, which has been going for so long. We are approaching 120 episodes, which I'm really grateful for. Want to send a big thank you and shout out to my patrons. They are really making this possible and I love doing this. I'm really grateful. I hope that you also get some comfort out of the continuity of this project in a way to me I just came back from a walk with my dogs and I came home and I was like really excited to record this and just felt grateful that I had the space to um check in express myself and uh, share share stories of myself and other people with you and feel that I am in a dialogue even if I'm living alone and I'm not physically in a dialogue with anyone right now um So where to begin? The human experience is a lot right now. Like so many of us, I feel really heavy and heartbroken um, about what's happening in Afghanistan. I'm trying to move away from checking the news like 24 times a day towards maybe eight times because I'm recognizing that I'm just totally frying my nervous system and that that isn't helping anyone really. And I also don't wanna feel stuck or helpless because that is also kind of not moving forward. I'm just trying to remember the things that I can do, like tending to my garden and my dogs, um, using my voice, donating a little bit of money, reaching out to my MP, and of course in so many ways this feels that feels really inadequate and, and so tiny and in the face of what's going on. But I at the same time don't want that to, uh, let me stop, you know, from doing these things at all. Um, so I'm using, yeah, using my hands, trying to make embroidery, I'm moving my body in gentle ways, um, to just kind of feel that I'm not stagnating with those feelings. Um, and that helps a little bit, having conversations with other people, making things, being creative. Um, I listened to a podcast episode that I highly want to recommend it's been so nice to reflect on it um it's called now is enough and it's the second episode on the andrea renee show which i think is pretty new but it should come up if you if you search for it and it was just so lovely to, uh, to listen to this solo episode about you know really not getting stuck in this feeling of like oh if i only acquire this new knowledge or this experience or this level of healing, then I'll be good enough to actually do something or take the next step or speak up about something that I believe in. So, yeah, check that out if that feels helpful to you. I'm also thinking a lot about interconnectedness and how we together might facilitate and create spaces in which we can reach towards an embodied understanding of what it means to be interconnected in that we may each have different experiences and backgrounds and sets of privilege but there are things that affect all of us in different ways and I think there's no human suffering that we can ever really turn away from right it's always it's always a part of us even if we are not directly experiencing it right now and it's so I find that really um very abstract and I think. Maybe that's not something that we learn at school. Maybe that's something that we're going to have to um, work hard to reclaim over the rest of our lives. Um, So yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't have any answer. I'm just speaking out loud. Um, And that is what I wanted to share with you. But anyway, I really hope you'll enjoy this episode. I spoke to Risa and Amy of Missing Witches who are doing such wonderful work around feminist witchcraft and storytelling and history um i love their podcast they've now also written a book which is gorgeous and there's been many giggles in this episode so i really hope that you'll enjoy it um if you like you can now also check out the stories weekend that i've mentioned in the last episode it's going to be um the 30th and the 31st of october so the sound weekend and I will offer um, a whole weekend full of storytelling and tarot practice together, ritual workshops um, and just being together and sharing and processing a little bit of what's happening this year or what's been happening or gosh what is even going on with us right. I think that's going to be a really beautiful gateway into the darkest season um, maybe a space to remember our ancestors and draw strength from being together and um yeah I'm really looking forward to that. Um the base price is $50 for the whole weekend. If that prevents you from attending but you want to come you can use um the code Stories to get a $20 discount and so then it's 30 and you can also pay in two installments. If you have any questions please let me know. In November and December, I'll still uh, offer, I mean, I haven't really talked about that yet, but I'm offering a six-week program called Mending Together, which is all around embroidery as an act of healing and repair in our lives. I'm so excited. I'm doing lots of research and lots of embroidery myself at the moment to prepare. Um, So really cannot wait for that. It's also going to be an early bird pricing until the end of October I'll link to all this in the show notes. And finally, I'll say that over at Yara Digital, the Embodied Business Community is open um, for another few days. That's a year-long business program I offer. It's a really rich. Um, there's payment plans. There's amazing people in there. There's a great course that offers really everything that I know about starting a business. Um, but most importantly, there's a lot of connection with co-working spaces and workshops. And I hope you'll check that out too. But for now, thank you so much for listening and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Oh, gosh. I As you know, I always love beginning interviews with Little Giggles, which I did now. I'm talking to Amy and Risa, who wrote the book Missing Witches. They also have a really beautiful podcast. And I'm just really, I think today is the day, it's the 1st of April, to talk about feminist magic and about all these beautiful practices that you're sharing. So I feel just so excited and I'm grateful for your time. And I'm so curious about what you'll say. So first of all, welcome. Thank you so much for coming. I would love to open by asking what nature is like around
1: you right now. And Risa, do you want to start? Sure, I'm happy to start. First of all, what a treat to be here. It's always fun to, be, to feel like you're walking into someone else's room of friends or like someone else's coven you know when you step into a podcast like we don't know those people but we know that there's this like love that listeners have for you and that, that's really kind of a beautiful space to walk into um i'm in the woods um i'm about an hour and a half north of montreal um we're on a lake the edges of the lake are melting today we had snow last night but the sun is warming up now now and You know, there's squirrels running around yesterday. Um, There's paw prints everywhere. Everybody's waking up. Um, The tiniest of buds are on trees. It feels really like it might almost actually be spring.
0: That sounds so beautiful. I feel the same. I feel like I got to come along to your place now. So thank you.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Amy, what about you? What is nature like around you?
2: about how we canadians have something called fake spring which happens every single year where the temperature shoots up and we all you know do our glory dance and then it snows again and we remember that <laughs> fake spring exists so yeah we had fake spring here and then it snowed this morning so we're back into second winter and uh, waiting for real spring to start
0: mm-hmm. i hope it comes soon Um, I would love to dive right into your book to be honest Um, and maybe your podcast as well can you tell me a little bit more about what the creative process was like and um, how that developed over the years because I know you you were doing the podcast first and then it became a book and I'm always so curious about the flow of things and whether there was an initial vision or you know how that all came to be.
1: Yeah, I can jump in and say, I feel like we sort of tricked ourselves into writing a book in like a really wonderful and magical way. We had these ideas to write these stories to get to research and spend time with these stories that we wanted to know more about and to kind of expand that process of the podcast with conversations with real living people that were teaching us so much. And after two seasons, I guess, we looked at the material and realized that we had a book. You know, we we just love these stories and we wanted them to live more. And and then we got to sort of dig into the writing process together again, which has just been such a pleasure to, you know, I think we both just love edits, like we love being um lit up by somebody else's perspective or insight and so to get to go back into those things we had written for the podcast and involve them more and with insights from our incredible editor at at north atlantic um yeah it just sort of it we created it and then it created itself again and then we created it again and and it's just been a, a privilege to like hear those those voices you know those women's voices
2: I want to jump in here real quick because um, Risa and I were friends before we started the Missing Witches project and I think it's it's worth noting that the first time we met was at a green room in a, in backstage at a ukulele showcase and uh, and I think that that's important to note because Risa and I met in a creative space hmm. in a place where we and others were wake- making weird music you know performance art and so when when we started hanging out it was always like a creative process whether we were you know um playing our ukuleles or writing harmonies or writing songs or as i mentioned in the book like building a maypole out of you know a broomstick in my living room in my apartment so um part of i think what drove the Missing Witches project into that seed of creation in the first place was like a well established foundation of the exchange of creative energy that makes sense it's not something Risa and I have talked about before and honestly it just occurred to me now so maybe Risa you want to respond to that
1: yeah that's so funny and so true when you were saying that I just flashed to a memory of us in one of my old apartments um with your father in a full green bodysuit because we were shooting a music video all around my apartment
2: yeah and i had dragged my octogenarian father into the, you know you use the resources
1: that you have to make sure of it. you collaborate <laughs> I... with the people who are willing to collaborate with you <laughs> Think that
0: is actually so much of what magic is about right of witchcraft in general is about collaboration with with the world in our own unique way so that makes total sense and that's so cute and funny and wonderful and i love that and it also is just always nostalgic to think about the pre-pandemic world where we're just casually hanging out in each other's living rooms you know yeah. <laughs> Um, cool, that brings me to my next question, I, I wonder what which means to you at this point in our lives and maybe the pandemic has changed that or highlighted more I don't know I would love to hear, I know that's a question that could go in so many directions but feel free to take it any way you like.
2: Yeah, I think that like through this hyper contemporary lens, <laughs> that being like of the past year. um that magic even more so is this like awakening, this process of unlearning um, the curricul- the curriculum that patriarchy designed for us. Um, and so a lot of the people that we classify as witches, you know, they didn't describe themselves as witches, but we put them in our pantheon because of their transgressive acts of joy and creativity. Um, and yeah, so for me that that's sort of what, what we're trying to do in 2021 is to go back and fill in those spaces that we are now hyper, hyper aware. Um we're, you know, the holes that we are hyper aware of in our own educations and how those educations created the society that we live in now. You know, certainly if we talk about having a garden or like we were talking about with Risa and I like singing in harmony. These are not. These are not woo woo, <laughs> you know. Like oh, the, you know. These these are not flaky things. These this is this is real, honest magic that we can create very easily in the world. But because we've been told that it's stupid or it's illogical or we're too emotional, like somehow that's true or relevant. And and so I think again, like contempt, super hyper contemporary magic, is about unpacking and and redefining our society based on a reverence for the earth, a reverence for other people, a, a, the connectedness of it all. I think for twenty twenty one, that is like the the major message of magic is the connectedness of us to each other, to nature, to insects, to soil. To our circles, to these conversations that we are now having with you, who Yaro, who was like born in Germany and now living in Scotland, and we're just having this conversation because the technology exists.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Do you want to add to yeah. that, Lisa? I mean, always. Amy and I will just perpetually add to each other's thoughts forever because we just get excited by each other's ideas, but. I mean, that was so so beautifully and accurately stated. the The other things that came to my mind were, you know, witchcraft today, right now, for me, is a sense of personal power that in the face of an incredibly disempowering social and economic and spiritual system, we can claim power in collaboration with each other, and with the spirits of the living world, you know, with with our tree neighbors and soil neighbors, and the universe of bacteria that's around us. And, you know, the, the emergent power of complex ideas that we are sort of co creators of the world with those things, and we have power beyond our fucking purchasing power, you know, we have, we have, uh, you know, we have the right to make the universe we dream as Diane de Prima says. Um, and that's, that's, that's the magic that I need right now. <laughs> and that I feel profoundly um, motivated to, to speak to for others.
0: Oh my God, my whole body was nodding along when both of you spoke. <laughs> and I totally agree that is, that is the magic that I need as well. Oh, um, I want to talk a little bit more about finding space for this kind of magic and I'm wondering as you're sharing the book and it's you know it's coming out now you're speaking to other people you may be navigating social media and podcasting as well what is that like to find your place for these stories that you want to tell in your own way and kind of keep mm-hmm. keep it sacred I guess and not get caught up in in what Instagram or whatever is trying to make us believe it is?
2: Ooh, I love this question Um, because I think that there's definitely a value to the things that are superficial. You know, I really, I don't want to take away from your, and by you, I mean everyone, (laughs) um, (laughs) to take away from your, your witchy manicures or your beautiful arrangement of your crystals that you have lovingly photographed. But I think that our project was largely a reaction to that um, because aesthetics are easy. And we, lo- I mean, if you look around my house, like, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sort of like, my, my taste is like psychedelic grandma, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's, you know, and I, I really, I think that You know, the aesthetics that we choose have a major impact on our lives. They reverberate, you know, choosing what you're going to put on might be a very small act, but maybe it has an echoing through your day of how you feel or don't feel the confidence that you have or don't have. So I really want to start by saying that, like, there is also a place for aesthetic witchcraft in the shifting of our consciousness. But Risa and I are. The sort of people that like to look underneath that. Um,
1: we definitely like to look under rocks and and <laughs> rotten branches and, and and dig in archives. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with Amy wholeheartedly. We are people who love aesthetic and the power of aesthetic, um, and it is difficult, as you say, Yaro, to engage in the the instagram world um but we've always played there very happily also you know we found so many of our people there um and we go ahead
2: like uh, you asked i think your specific question was something along the lines of like finding a space and Mm. i don't know about finding a space but i do know about creating a space i do know about making a place where you write the manifesto and you say what the rules are um
1: (laughs) yeah i we we said from the beginning our podcast our rules anytime we were like you know we said we would maybe do this many episodes but let's do this instead or we've run out of time or this this time we're just going to talk to each other and every time and i would get sometimes really anxious about things and and every time Amy's like, oh, fuck, it's our podcast, our rules. Like, we're not doing this for our, for anybody else's idea about what needs to happen, you know? Yeah. And um, you, you made me think about that with the idea of creating a space. And yeah. and it is so powerful to be like, we're going to clear away these, you know, these weeds and and these other ideas and these other things that might be really cool plants for other people. And right here, we're going to do this one unique thing. That's all we can do because it's just who we are. Yeah.
2: We both came into the project with day jobs you know thinking not thinking that this was going to be you know eventually a book or that we would have a patreon or you know any of those things i mean it's still you know not enough to live on this work but but we came into it just thinking of it like you would think of a hobby and so that that freed us up to talk about and to whom we wanted to instead of like okay who's going to get us the most followers we can be like, who do, I, who do I really want to talk about? Sometimes I've found that the episodes of the podcast that I thought were the most important have been like the least downloaded. Um, but that's fine because we're not, um, again, we have a sponsor who literally has told me like, I don't really care. I just want to support witch history and research you know and that's why <laughs> that's why our our sponsor is is like our soulmate sponsor because if we were beholden to someone to provide these numbers and to make sure we hit this number of followers by this date and then that would take away our power to choose and again magic is so much of it that power to choose and having that power like Risa says so Again, it's, it's been easy for us because our whole focus has just been like, do the work we wanna do, tell the stories we wanna tell, talk to the people that we wanna talk to. And so again, like by building that space, what's the old movie with the baseball? Build it and they will come.
1: If you build it, they will come.
2: Yeah, <laughs> field, field of, of dreams. dreams. Speaking of dreams, yeah, it very much was a field of dreams, you know?
0: I love that so much as an image. Yeah, that makes sense. You're also just really crafty and you're so good at just making stuff happen with what is available to you. And I think obviously that is becoming a much bigger focus for all of us in this pandemic. And I I wonder if you have anything to share, maybe like a piece of, of your approach or something that you think might be useful for a beginner. And I think in a way, of course, we're all beginners. We're all sitting at the feet of plans trying to learn, right? But, if someone is listening to this and they're like, "Yeah, I want to dive deeper into this work too what would you advise them or offer them as as a gift to say, "Hey, this is possible. You just have to look around to what is available?"
1: That's a great question. Um, i I love the idea of like you know, uh, speaking to somebody who's trying to figure out how to how to DIY their magical project and contribution to saving the world. Um, And, and it feels like a real honor to be asked for any insights on that. I mean, I think we've, we've always had the approach of like, well, just try, (laughs) you know, just, just start and just try So, but I don't want to overstate, like, I'm also like a, a a huge believer in um, the constant making and remaking of to do lists, you know, we talk a lot about how a to do list is a spell. Um, So, you know, every day I break down the things that are in my mind that I, I think could be done or should be done, and then I prioritize the list. I try to accomplish three high level things on the list that and three just seems like resonant and powerful for me and not overwhelming. And I try to make sure that each day I prioritize prioritize joy and and anchoring in the things in life that actually matter to me so that when I make my lists, they're coming from a place of personal value and power. rootedness and that includes making time for rituals when i need them or cleaning my altars or my sacred spaces when i need them or like cooking up a bunch of food or making juice or beer or whatever for the family i think like prioritizing those things means that when we get to work our work is less likely to be spun by the great spinning machine (laughs) those are the first uh, thoughts that come to mind
2: <laughs> yeah and, and my first thought about this, like someone who wants to get into magic um obviously you know we talk a lot about how magic is inherently anti-capitalist thank you white feather hunter for that direct quote mm-hmm. um and so for me my my first you know bit of advice for a new witch who wants to engage is the moon go look at the moon it's totally free. There's no admission fee. <laughs> there is no, you know, um, stare at it. Stare at the moon. Stare at the moon and breathe and see what that conjures in your imagination.
0: That's so beautiful. Thank you. I also, ah, I'm, I'm looking at my window now, and the moon, thankfully, is kind of crossing over it I guess in a way that I can see it from my bed and I love the mm. intimacy of being able to look that I don't have with the sun like you can't look at the sun the way that you can look at the moon and there's something uh, so special about that I think so. yeah you
2: can glance but you can't stare but the moon you can you can develop a relationship with the moon mm-hmm. and I, I and I don't mean that in a glib way you know mm-hmm. I um when I have like stressful moments you know I'm arguing with my spouse, whatever. Um, I'm like I'm just going to go outside and look at the moon for a minute. And I say it all mean and shitty like that. I'm just going to go outside and look <laughs> at the moon. <laughs> and then I and then I do that and then that helps. Mm-hmm. And you know that that to me is like a great recently I talk about the word mundane a lot how um nothing is mundane and everything is sacred. Mm-hmm. And you know that that's kind of that you can just literally like you you're saying you can you don't even have to get out of your chair Yaro.
0: <laughs> yes like, <laughs> you
2: know we just you literally like all you got to do is maybe tilt your chin in a single direction and you can start to understand the cycles mm-hmm. the process the dance the connectedness um yeah from that head tilt upward
0: mm. yeah i yeah the words that came to mind with that also just beauty of beauty of radical simplicity and just reaching for the thing that's available that gives us joy and makes us feel connected to pleasure. It's like, hmm, yeah. Um, you've already touched on yeah, this there, in some there's way, an artist so? named.
2: There's an artist. Oh,
0: no, you yeah, go I ahead. I just want
2: to add one thing. Yeah, there's an artist named uh, Gerbert Jones, and uh, their philosophy is availableism. Mm. So he they would make these drag looks out of literally just whatever was around the house and and construct these amazing things just whatever was on hand
0: mm-hmm.
2: so i've adopted that word to uh, availableism yeah R. R. Jones.
0: that is cool i love that and i also love what you said earlier about um to-do list being witch witchcraft in their own little spells that's that's so good yeah thank you um, you already touched on this in some ways, and I wonder if you want to go deeper on what role um, social justice plays for you in the stories that you tell, in the spaces that you create, and what you bring to different communities, and just you know how how you do your work and how you show up in the world. Do you want to say more about that?
1: Yeah, we could talk a lot about that. I mean, the the first and foremost, I think for us anchoring perspective is that we do this work to educate ourselves like for us this is a deeper and deeper engagement with listening to marginalized voices to voices that we were missing that were really we were missing in like a longing way you know and that in a large cultural way canon size way we are all missing you know there's There are, there's just these insane gaps in our knowledge of spirit and philosophy and ideas, women's history of ideas, um, especially women of color's history of ideas, especially, especially, you know, marginalized genders history of ideas. So what are those fucking ideas? How, how can we learn from them about a relationship with the earth and is there something in there that helps us save this moment for our our planet and and our ancestors and our future ancestors. So, the whole project is activism for us. um and Yeah, makes, maybe Amy, you can yeah, yeah pick up on some I, of I'm, the other ways I, we engage. Pass, yeah,
2: <laughs> pass me the baton babe, because I'm ready. <laughs> Take I'm
1: <wrong>. that mic. <laughs> um,
2: so yeah, because Risa, what you just said. Made, um, drew me to something that Yaro, you actually put in your bio, and I was hoping that you could tell us more about that, which is rituals are healing and healing is always political. So, can you answer your own question with your own quote,
0: Mama? <laughs> uh, Mama? <laughs> sure. Um, gosh, I mean, where do we even begin? I feel like we are. Have- probably sharing so many ideas around this and I want to say that Jennifer Patterson who's also been a a guest on this podcast um, has written about this really beautifully in a way that inspired me to flesh this out some more as well so anyway Jennifer Patterson is great she's a um, breathwork practitioner and herbalist and you should check her out but anyway to come back to your question I think I think the the question for me is almost more like how could healing ever not be political, which I know sounds a bit like a cop out of like being really specific, but I think it is, it is really a problem to think that healing could ever be removed from politics. I think it is so intertwined with our experiences, Mm -hmm. with the kinds of trauma that we carry, with what we have access to with the stories of our ancestors, with, um, space that we get to take up in the world and I think true healing has to take all these different parts of ourselves and our communities into account and I think that for me a foundation of any healing is also an understanding of our deep interconnectedness so to say a slightly cliche but basically really true thing if I don't understand that Me poisoning the river in my neighborhood is poisoning my body, then I have no chance to really come to a place of healing for myself, right? So I think that goes that goes beyond the imagination that I had as a teenager. I didn't understand this. It's something I had to learn and reclaim for myself. And I'm definitely still in that process and it will probably go on forever, I guess.
2: Yeah. I spoke to a, a root worker. And Druid named Dr. Beverly Smith, and one of the quotes that she said that really stuck out for me was, she said, "Everything that we do to help each other is resistance." So it's the same kind of idea, you know, when we when we are healing, we are healing the world, and what what more what more can we ask from our social justice than that? But to be specific about the podcast, I think like all of the stories that we tell are of people who came up against patriarchy or colonialism, uh, white supremacy, most times all of these things. And so just to tell their stories of perseverance and power, I think is definitely part of the the resistance work of the Missing Witches Project. To say like, no, you know, these people that we were taught were powerless have amazing power because we can still find their names. We have to go looking, and Risa and I have taken on that labor of the digging and digging and digging, you know. Um, But just to, to even just to say their names, to make sure that they are immortal, to me is, is an attempt at some kind of social justice.
0: Yeah, again, a full body nod. Risa, do you want to add anything to that?
1: Hmm. I mean, I'm full body nodding as well. And just so, so excited to get to continue to do this work. You know, we, we, I think also with the podcast, we it's, it's important for us to continuously educate ourselves with our research and then educate ourselves with, with listening to contemporary practitioners of many different heritages and, and viewpoints and to amplify their work as much as we can, um, on our social media, and on our Patreon to sort of actively build webs and actively build um, a loving and and diverse and mutually supportive space, space for, these, for ideas. these ideas. And for, and for our, our healing, our- you know, there, as you say, there's, there's a many layered trauma in our experience, um, and in our generational experience. So our our activism has to be uh as amanda yates garcia said it uh muscular and martial you know we have to we have to work on healing and we have to put our work and ourselves against the forces that are trying to continuously swallow what's left of our living planet and so we we have an obligation to to, to say that, to say, to say her name, say the name of our earth too, and dedicate our, our lives to her work as, as best we can, you know.
2: Yeah. There's that very famous Maya Angelou quote that I always come back to, which is, uh, when you know better, you do better. And so Mm -hmm. Risa and I are just like working with each other on the know better part and then, you know, praying that, that, that continually informs our do better part.
0: Yeah. Yeah, thank you. That's beautiful. Um, before you go, I would love to hear if there's anything in terms of practices or ideas or the seasons that you're living in or the planned friends that you have around you that you're feeling hopeful and excited
1: about right now. Hmm. I mean, it is it is a time of hope here. It's, it's cold today and that emotional roller coaster is hard. As I mentioned before we started recording my my daughter is weaning and and so all of the like oxytocin is draining from both of our bodies and we're trying to figure out new ways to self soothe (laughs) other than supporting each other with you know and just feeling that distance from each other so for me it's. Right now um, i'm i'm just going through so many major changes that my my relationships to my my closest plants are really important. Like, you know, the, the, the trees that I walk by between my lot and the wooded lot next door, the little bits of birch bark that I write notes on and make small fires and try to send out a little hope, a little relief, um, lavender in the bath and lavender on the little kid's hands before she goes to bed, you know, it's just, and teaching her that some plants um, we will give her calm um, and help her when when it seems hard to find calm those are those are the ones that I'm kind of leaning on right now
2: Yeah, and for me um, I don't want to sound like conspiratorial but I think the best advice that I can give is to start thinking about why those things that don't make sense to you like really start to ask why one of my favorite examples is this So we're not supposed to cry, right? It's shameful, it's embarrassing, nobody can, especially if you are a man, or male presenting, you are not allowed to cry, be it resolved that this is what society has taught us, right? Well, it turns out that crying, shedding tears is your body's way of scientifically, literally figured this is not a metaphor, people. (laughs) of releasing stress hormones from your body. So if your body wants to cry, my advice is to let it, because to stifle tears is to literally keep stress hormones inside of your body instead of releasing them out and freeing yourself of them. Now, why would patriarchy want us to believe that? Why would capitalism want us to believe that we shouldn't cry? Well, to me, and again, I don't want to be too conspiratorial, but to me it sounds like they want us to um buy things to relieve our stress instead of looking to our body for those natural things that our body already knows how to do. So yeah, my yeah. my best my best advice I think for entering this world of, you know, radical witchcraft and compassion is to allow yourself to cry fucking hard especially in 2021, cry, cry, yeah. and, and, and recognize that that's not, that's not uh, a failure on your part, but that is your body saying, let's get some of these bad chemicals out of our body right now.
1: Yeah. That's science, yeah, science add... people. <laughs> yeah. I'll just add on that that I mean, I'm, you in an upcoming episode about the Haitian Revolution, we talk, I talk about how, you know, we start doing this research. Um, and, and you immediately realize that, 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 uh, sorry, my partner is walking up the door, he's leaving, and um, start doing some of this research and and realize there's this crazy overlap between the history of colonialism and the oppression of spiritualities and oppression of of witchcraft and pr- practitioners in in various traditions and a history of dances outlawed. There's something about the curiarchy or this sort of matrix of oppressive systems that doesn't want us to dance, doesn't want us to own our bodies, doesn't want us to find synchronicity with other bodies, doesn't want us to feel the power of a rhythm that we can identify in drums and amplify in our bodies and find the 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 wave of strength that can come to us from from that and i think that crying and dance are just two of many examples of ways that our bodies and our experiences are numbed by these systems, and that magic can awaken them. So, I would say after you cry, and you cry your eyes out, and you cry your multi-generational sorrow out, maybe you dance. Dance.
2: Yeah, that that's the perfect compendium. Thank you, Risa, for always being an amazing collaborator. <laughs> because yes, cry, <laughs> cry, and then dance. Yeah, that's the best advice we can give. Right. <laughs>
0: Yes, that's, that's so true. And it's so simple and so available and so good. I cry all the time. And that's such a good reminder. Um, yeah, our bodies know and have so much wisdom around how to release stress and make space. Thank you. Where can people find you? Uh, Where's your podcast? Where's your book? I'm so excited to share these things with everyone.
1: Our podcast should be pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's called Missing Witches. Um, We have a missingwitches.com. We're missingwitches on all the social media. We have a Patreon and we love it. And we'll be spending a lot more time providing stuff for our patrons there. We don't do tiers. So our Patreon is pay what you can. Um, so if you want to support us with a dollar, um, you are as valued to us as if you want to support us with $20 a month. And so for those people, we're going to be um, sharing a lot more as we go forward. And we'd love to have more people be a part of that conversation there. And our book um, is released is released by North Atlantic and distributed by Penguin Random House. So if it's not in your local library, or local indie bookstore, the most loving and supportive and web building thing you could do for us is to request it just locally. We've had a couple of friends request our book and and circle of, of witches request our book at a bookstore that I really love. And now they have it like kind of prominently displayed because, you know, our, our requests do change the world and do change capitalism. So if you feel like supporting um intersectional feminist witch history by requesting a book at your local library or bookstore we would love that and if you read the book we want to know what you think amanda Yates garcia gave us this piece of advice that i just keep turning over because it's helping me a lot right now that you fix the problems in the first book with the second book so if you have constructive criticism tell us share it with us on goodreads or amazon reviews if you do that and we will take it all into our hearts for the next book that we are excited to write and share.
2: And I will just add a, a a small tag because only because we were talking about it earlier, we do want to give a shout out to our amazing sponsor, Foxglove Farm. If you want to shop there, you can use offer code Missing Witches, and then you're helping us too
0: cool thank you that's such good advice also about the second book I feel the same about mine that's really good to think about yeah (laughs) and I'll link to, to all of this in the show notes as well so if anyone didn't catch that the links will be there thank you so much for everything you shared today I feel spiritually rejuvenated listening to you and just excited to share this conversation I'm really grateful for your time so
1: thank you so much
2: I'm body nodding.
1: (laughs) Yeah, whole body nodding. Thank you for your beautiful energy (laughs) and letting us be with you today. Thank you.